This is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast for Bethlehem Baptist Church's South Campus in Lakeville, Minnesota. Are you interested in learning more about our church? Go to Bethlehem.Church forward slash south. Why'd you say take two? Because you just redid it. Oh, I did it again? Uh, We'll see which one I put in. I don't know. Probably this one. Dave, (laughs) tell me what you do in these days when it's it was negative 26 wind chill when I got up this morning. Like, what do you what do you do like to keep your sanity to like, do you go outside? Do you venture outside into the into the deep cold and do things like walk around like I saw people doing this morning at five in the morning? They were walking around. And yeah, anyway, sorry, I'm not from Minnesota. Neither are you. I'm from Wisconsin, though. Close enough. It's the same thing. I don't know. I don't generally go outside when it's just cold. I mean, I do. I do if I have to shovel or if I have to, you know. But, I mean, how do you shovel anything when it's all frozen solid? Well, yeah, I guess that's true. There's not really snow in this weather, is there? I mean, bottom line is I go outside if I have to, but I'm not. Yeah, some, some, I, saw someone, I saw someone running yesterday when I was driving here at, like, early in the morning. Ugh. And I thought, <laughs> why? What is your problem? So, no, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I feel... You know, I feel more for my wife who's at, at home with the four kids and uh, hanging out there all day, not able to get outside as much. So, I'm, I mean, I'm generally here or meeting with someone or – but, yeah, Kelly and I just try to work out. That helps get out some of that nervous, uh, kind of secluded, isolated energy that this cold brings. You and Kelly do P90X. Is that, is that what you're doing? We do different uh, – we do different – Beach body programs. She's doing beach body insanity right now. Oh, and I'm doing uh, one called Hundred Day Morning something. I don't remember what it's called. M O U R N I N G morning. Morning. No. M O R. Oh, okay. M O R. That's good. That's good. All right. So, quick question: Would you rather it be sunny? And inhospitably cold outside, but the sun is shining. Or would you rather it be gray, and as is the case here in the upper Midwest, gray often means somewhat warmer, like warm enough that there could be precipitation, or maybe it's, you know, or it's not below zero, but it's not up near freezing either. Like, what would you say? What's your preference? I would probably still choose a little bit warmer so you can go outside and play with my kids and stuff, go sledding, drag them around the yard in a sled. Make snowmen, make a snowman, snowman. I don't know if I've ever said snowman before, but have you yeah. ever made more than one snowman at the same time? Not at the same time. Okay, so you've <laughs> not ever made snowmen. You've made a, sneery, a series of snowmans. My kids love that we have a lot that's kind of on the corner, because the plow comes by and just stacks oh, the snow yeah. up on the corner, so they yeah. they make tunnels. Oh wow. Good times. Mm-hmm. My kids should come over. Mm-hmm. So we're here to talk today about not what's taking place presently in our world. Or but are we? But are we? <laughs> or are we? But to talk about, that's right, end times. Part three here on the podcast, which if you listen to the first two parts, it is really about the here and now because we're in the end times, aren't we, Dave? The last days. The last days, yes. All the time. From Jesus' first coming to Jesus' second coming. So for this episode, we're planning on talking a little bit about 
genres and how to read our Bibles a little bit before next episode, our fourth and last episode, we're going to hopefully do a lightning round of eschatology, and that will be fun, a lot of fun. It'll be vibrant, you might say. Might get in trouble, too. I don't know. We'll find out. Dave's just stifling. Oh, he wants to say so much, but but he won't. He won't. So, Dave, when, we, when I ask you the question, does what genre of literature you're reading in the Bible matter for how you interpret it? Your response is... Yes. All right. Could you uh, unpack that a bit more for us, Dave? I know you don't do well at unpacking things, explaining, but why don't you go ahead and give it a shot? Yeah. I mean, it all goes back to authorial intent, which obviously, ultimately, uh, is God. Our God wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. But it was written by authors with particular ideas in mind about what they were writing and how they were writing and who they were writing to. So we take all those things into account and we want to, we want to get the author right. We want to get their meaning right. So I often in, in, uh, you know, in pre-marriage counseling do this with couples where I'll say, uh, you want to understand the meaning and the intent uh, uh, that your spouse is meaning when they're talking to you. And so if your spouse uses a very, elaborate metaphor uh, you want to understand the metaphor and get what the picture means and then other people maybe they just they're just a lot more literal and and they're just gonna say what they mean more literal and not paint the picture it's the same way with uh, bible genre we want to understand what the author is saying so for example when i read the book of proverbs which is wisdom literature uh, i'm not reading everything in the book of proverbs as if it was a promise. I'm reading it as wisdom literature, which means that these are principles that are generally true and generally describe the world we live in uh, and generally describe how do we live in this world as people who are aware of and love and want to submit our lives to God. Uh, And so we we read it that way. This is wisdom. This will be helpful for us. When I read, uh, you know, uh, Acts, for example, Acts is a narrative. And so I'm going to treat a narrative a little bit differently than I'm going to treat a letter. A narrative is trying to tell me God's interpretation of history. And then a a letter is going to be an author writing to a people about a particular set of issues in a particular time. And so there's all these different audiences. There's all these different genres. And we just want to know what did this author mean at this time. And after we get there, then we can begin to think, so then what does it mean for us? Yeah. So we talk about authorial intent, and as good Protestant Christians, well, just all Christians, I think, um, would say that there are two authors always of every scripture. So certainly the Holy Spirit is the author of all scripture. It's all breathed out by God. Um, So there's an authorial intent that stands over every text. But for the 40 or so authors that wrote the 66 books of the Bible, they're all writing in particular times and places You've got different kinds of writing. So just like Dave said, you know, there's a symbolic, there's, you know, wisdom literature that doesn't speak to promises but to principles. Um, there's flowing poetry in the Psalms and other things that has to be interpreted in light of what it is as a genre. And so when we talk about end times, there's a couple of really big 
kind of genres that stand over uh, this discussion of end times. So what, what are they, Dave? Yeah, the two genres would be prophecy, which is probably a little bit more prominent overall in just the amount there is in the Bible. And then the other genre is apocalyptic literature. Yeah, and together with those, we'd certainly say that there's some, there's narrative, there's epistolatory literature that speaks. What what does that mean, Daniel? Epistolatory letter, letter, like like a letter written from one person to another that speaks about end times things or speaks about prophecy, but isn't necessarily the genre of prophecy or the genre of apocalyptic literature, um, which we're going to stab at here in uh, just a little bit. Talk through some of those different, as far as the genre of prophecy, what's what's an example of prophetic literature? Yeah, well, there's a bunch of prophets in the Old Testament that we read. Uh, So you've got, you know, Isaiah would be one, you know, the, the good old Christmas prophecy that we read for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace uh, and so you could keep going with that uh, that's a really uh, just a famous example and so what's basically going on there is there is a an inspired author who is predicting in that case what is to come looking out in the purposes and plans of God and in, in predicting a, a coming day. And, and we do have to be careful, right, when we talk about prophecy. I remember uh, Dr. DeRoshi in his Old Testament class often talking about kind of the, the two levels of prophecy. So there will be times where you read a, a, a prophecy, for example, that's written to Israel about their their coming destruction or their coming salvation. And, and certainly you could begin to tie it to something that was near that time when it was written. But then sometimes you'll get within that this expansive language of all or yeah. all the world will be saved or, you know, all will be destroyed. And then he would just say, so there's a, there's a double uh, double layer of prophecy, a, a near one, and then one that maybe is a little bit further out. So that'd be another, just another way that prophecy functions in the Bible at times. Yeah. And oftentimes you have in prophetic literature real thick symbolism that mm-hmm. often has mm-hmm. a quick interpretation. So this is the way when uh, Cademan, my son and I, read through Isaiah maybe three years ago, uh, just kind of the story of Isaiah is this. Israel is a tree that is bearing bad fruit. And so there's a man mm-hmm. named Babylon that, or a man named Assyria that has to come by and lop off part of yeah. the tree. Yep. And then another man comes behind that man named Babylon, kills Assyria, and finishes cutting down the tree. But that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time that there's a third person coming, mm-hmm. Persia, mm-hmm. who's going to kill Babylon, mm-hmm. there's also a, a root that's mm-hmm. in the tree still, this root of Jesse that's going to grow and become a new tree mm-hmm. that all of the nations will find. Mm-hmm. shade in mm-hmm. and which nations are pictured as like birds and animals that will find that so there's symbolism there right babylon yeah. isn't actually a man who's coming along with an axe uh, israel isn't actually a tree but these are what they're being likened to in prophetic literature with direct reference right like this is this and yep. it's speaking about future events yep. that are coming yep 
So compare that to apocalyptic literature, Dave. So if prophetic literature can use symbolism sometimes, speaks about future events, then what is apocalyptic? Yeah, and I I think it's an important an important distinction to make, especially when you think of like the Book of Revelation, because I think yeah. that oftentimes we think apocalyptic literature, and we think the apocalypse is coming. And we when we think of that, we mean uh, the end times are coming. So then we begin to search our our current culture and moment for yeah. doomsday preparation. Correct. You know, Correct. zombies knocking down these windows. Apache helicopters. Apache helicopters. Things like that. Blowing zombies yeah. up. Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Right. There's lots of movies about it. Um, but but what apocalyptic literature really is is uh, kind of these elaborate symbolic pictures, visions that are used to describe uh, a reality behind them. And a lot of times when people read Revelation, what has happened is they've tried to read through those pictures and figure out scope and sequence and current day culture. And that's not just America. Every culture has done that for a long time. But one of the cool things about Revelation is that what you're going to, what you're going to see with a lot of these pictures is that if you look back in your Old Testament, you actually begin to see, huh, that sounds a lot like that in Ezekiel, or that sounds a lot like that in Daniel, or that sounds a lot like that in Isaiah. And you, you begin to see that th- this vision is, in a lot of ways, uh, the Lord <laughs> showing John, hey, this is what I've always been talking about. You're, you're getting this big picture of what I've always been doing, what I am doing, what I'm going to do. Yeah. So Revelation is calling back to all kinds of different Old Testament literature, maybe particularly leaning on prophetic literature. Yep. And then within that also leaning, there is actually apocalyptic yep. literature in the Old Testament. Correct. Portions of Isaiah, Jeremiah, maybe most significantly, basically the last half of the book of Daniel is apocalyptic. There's some in Ezekiel too. Yeah, there's some in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38, 39. And so what are you getting? You get uh, in these genres, peeling back of reality mm-hmm. and behind reality, symbolism mm-hmm. that shines through and shows you what the spiritual realities are behind our physical world. Right. Right. Um, whether located in the past, the present, or the future. So, uh, for you know, Dave said, you know, constantly reaching back to the Old Testament, and that's what John is doing throughout Revelation, is referring constantly, repeatedly to Old Testament themes, symbols, even entire stories to build this picture under the hand of the Holy Spirit, who's the author of it all, of what the world would look like for the first century readers that are reading it. That's right. So, and I think that's the important thing when we yep. come to any prophetic literature, any apocalyptic literature is we're looking to see how would the original recipients have thought of these texts. So was, was an original recipient in uh, you know, Asia Minor, one of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, um, mainly looking at you know, the Asia Minor Gazette um, before they looked at their Old Testament, to help interpret, hey, what does this letter from the Apostle John mean? This is right. weird. Or were they mainly looking at their Old Testament before they looked looked around? And I think it's definitely that case. Right. So, Dave, right. Um, as we think about apocalyptic literature, I think we start there with, hey, the original recipients 
would have understood this symbolic language probably better than we would, right. several thousand years removed. Right. But does that mean that it's only for the original recipients? I sure hope not. <laughs> Why yeah. is it in our Bible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's interesting that, that this, this book has been in the Bible for a long time. So for those that would like to interpret it based on, you know, what's the current cultural moment that we're in, we'd have to go, man, what a weird thing to include in the Bible for thousands and thousands of years just for the sake of whatever these seven years are going to happen, you know, or whatever yeah. your interpretation is. And so I think, I think it's important to think of it, even as the book itself says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and those who hear and those who keep what is written in it yeah. for the time is near. So that means that not only is it prophesying, giving me these pictures, but there's a way that I can keep what is written in it. I can obey revelation. Yeah. And so that, that tells me that, and it says all those who do this. And so, yeah, I think it's relevant for us. I think it's relevant for the church. I think it's relevant for, for all people in all times who call Jesus Lord. Right. And we'll talk about this hopefully some next week as we <laughs> dig into it a little bit more in detail. But it may mean that there's some there's some way in which we have to bring ourselves up to speed on what it meant then. So we right. might be able to better say what might it mean for us today or what might it mean someday for a last generation of Christians yep. right before Jesus yep. returns. So it is a fair way to say that it cannot mean to us what it did not mean to the original recipients? I think so. Yeah, yeah I mean, it can't. Um, we can't just completely pull our context away from that and then just right. um, see where there might be uh, parallels between right. the Bible and our newspapers before we first say where are there parallels between the Bible and the Bible, like yep. Revelation to Old Testament, yep. and then ask the question parallels between Revelation and the early church context Right. Uh, into which it's written. Right. What might we talk about next time, Dave? If we were going to pull up <laughs> a, uh, a grab bag of hot topics that we're going to uh, roll through really fast, what might be some questions or some symbols that we look at really fast? Well, there's a lot of symbols I suppose we could look at. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to choose from. What do you think are the most controversial ones? Oh, wow. You're controversial punting it back one. to me. I, you ask all the questions. Uh, what is, kind of, so what, what's the mark of the beast? Yeah, that would be one. That'd be a good one to, okay. to ask. All right. Uh, That's right. Coming to you next week in three minutes or less, what is the mark of the beast? If you're wondering, <laughs> we'll be here. Yes. Um, probably talk about the rapture, thoughts yep. on the rapture, yep. Yep. thoughts on the tribulation. Yep. So we'll be bouncing, I think, next week, not only, um, you know, looking at Revelation, going back to Daniel, um, going to so the rap, the most explicit rapture texts, you know, found in some Paul's literature, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so not only within the book of Revelation and looking at what's there, but I think bouncing around to look at a number of different things. We're going to, should we come loaded for bear and totally ready or should we just shoot from the hip? What do you think, Dave? I might want just a little bit more preparation. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more preparation. Maybe we need to find somebody who, I don't know how much we agree about all the interpretation of all those things. So mm. maybe there's some agreement. Maybe we need to get somebody that we're certain doesn't agree with us. That'd be fun. So that we could have some really interesting, really fast. But that would slow us down. That would not be really fast if we grab somebody we'd else. Have to, 
reason and stuff like that. We don't have to reason. reason. What's that? So next week, uh, we'll be back with part four on end times eschatology and uh, hopefully go through a lot of different topics pretty quick. As Dave said, Revelation is a book to be obeyed. Mm -hmm. And these Mm -hmm. things, these topics we're talking about end times are things that help us in our obedience today, Mm -hmm. not just for future. Dave, thanks for joining me today, man. Yep.